Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit organizations across the country, primarily in the areas of board excellence, strategic planning, and organizational development. I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast. I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday, and, and we're recording this as we approach the turn of a new year. Um, and I think that today's topic is going to resonate with um, a, a lot of our nonprofit leaders that are listening to the podcast. We're going to be talking today about a topic called change fatigue. Uh, and I could probably open it up to the phone lines and, and allow nonprofit leaders to, to tell us about change fatigue. But it, it, instead, I want to welcome a special friend, a guest to the podcast, Ginny Waller of Waller Consulting. Ginny, welcome to the podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Greg. I'm happy to be here. It is a it's a pleasure to have you join the podcast. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background uh, in the nonprofit sector. Sure. So Waller Consulting, um, with Waller Consulting, I specialize in working with nonprofits and capacity building, specifically working with executive directors as a trusted advisor and to help them with day-to-day um, uh, troubleshooting as well as prioritization because there's just always more to do. Um, and then also, of course, helping them with their boards and fundraising. And um, I dabble in strategic planning, but I'll leave the really complicated stuff to you, Greg. I appreciate it. Ginny, I, I, I asked you to join me on the podcast today, not only because of your work as a consultant, but also because, like me, you've been a nonprofit executive. You've been deep in the work, and that gives you a unique perspective on our topic of change fatigue. Tell us a little bit about your experience in the nonprofit sector. Yes. So I, in my prior, my previous, previous life, I, um, I practiced law for five years and um, had a more traditional approach to law and then moved into the nonprofit sector as an executive director, as you mentioned. Um, during that time, I ran an organization that served survivors of sexual violence. So we were serving individuals in crisis. And then oftentimes because of the impact of working night shifts and, and working really hardcore trauma work, many of our staff were in crisis. Right. So I it was a constant environment of fighting that um, little that that kind of animal that can crawl in and poison your environment. And then the other side of that is we had several incidents, just like most nonprofits do, where a crisis arose. We had a fire in our building where we were not allowed to return ever again to our building. And um, and we had to we had to learn very quickly how to do crisis management without a crisis plan, I might add. I learned things the hard way in many cases. Um, and I, so I feel like I'm in a very particular position to be able to provide feedback to executive directors on how to help their staff prevent that burnout that happens during crisis and ultimately during change. When we, uh, you know, I think we're all familiar with burnout in the nonprofit sector, and we've heard and read a lot about that. What do you mean when you use the term change fatigue? Because that's one that I, ha I don't hear as often as as burnout and, and other types of, of fatigue in the sure. sector. Sure. So oftentimes when we are we're looking at change. Let's let's take the let's take the pandemic. So many nonprofits have probably tossed around over the years. Well, this employee wants to do some remote work. Should we do it? Should we not? Maybe we'll try it. And it's it's kind of a haphazard thing, right? Well, then here came the pandemic. Suddenly, everyone had to be remote, and that change was sudden. It was severe. It probably wasn't done in any way in a, in a methodical pattern, sort of thought out process as much as you could. I mean, right? Executive directors were were had to move quickly. 
Um, that quick change, that non-strategic sort of change can really lead to issues with change fatigue, where people are physically, mentally exhausted from having to um, take in all the considerations for a new, uh, a new world. And I think, Greg, just as much as, um, as much as you've probably seen, a lot of our nonprofits are seeing this more than ever. You know, there's some leadership-led change fatigue that happens. You get a leader who's like, I'm ready to change this whole place up as soon as he gets hired. And they may lead to some change fatigue because they're just one after another after another changes. But um, in this case, I think we're dealing with a really a mass change fatigue issue across the nonprofit sector. I think that's a great point. It, it brings about, um, you know, I think one of the things that we praise our nonprofits for, and appropriately so, is their ability to be flexible, their ability to be nimble and, and react to really volatile conditions through the pandemic and, and in all times, really. But what I hear you saying is that there can be a cumulative effect on our nonprofit leaders of going through that dramatic change, that volatile change repeatedly over and over again, that there's a buildup there that, that we should be paying attention to as nonprofit leaders. Yeah, I think when you combine that with the fact that you know, the nonprofit sector has a turnover of around 40%, which is insane. And that was before the pandemic. Then you add, you have this buildup, like you said, um, over time, you know that our numbers are going to be even higher. And so I think it's really important to ground our nonprofit leaders in the idea of planning for change, right? We can't plan for the pandemic, but you can plan for the change, whatever that change may be. And you're seeing some of this with scenario planning. A lot of the things you're doing probably with your clients and strategic planning is more scenario-based. That's, that's what I'm suggesting to my clients is really try to focus on ways that you can plan for change, no matter what, whether that's you doing it and strategically or whether that's something that's thrown at you. One of the things, and I remember this from being a, a nonprofit executive, is that sometimes the signs of burnout, the signs of the kind of fatigue that you're talking about can be difficult to spot if we're not looking for them, if we're not pausing from the day-to-day -day rapid, you know, uh, programmatic stuff to really pay attention to what our staff is experiencing. What are some of those signs, some of those signals yeah. that leaders should be paying attention to? Well, and, th and that varies, it varies greatly in every workplace because you're, the capacity for work is so different. Um, one of the biggest is if you're having a lot of intense um, arguments and fighting, uh, infighting with your staff, that's a huge one. That in itself is means that people have become resentful of each other and for some reason think they are giving more than another staff person. And so if you're seeing conflict at that level, uh, more than likely you already are well into it. And, and, and here I'm going to stop you, Greg, because if you're already seeing this, you have passed the point of no return. Those staff members are not going to be recoverable. And that is so unfortunate. So I say, before you get to those points, before you see, a staff member who's unable to handle even the smallest bit of a change in policy without a, a large reaction, or a staff member who um, frustrates easily at just a suggestion of some sort of team building engagement, um, someone who is not able to handle the workload that they handled previously anymore. Um, those are things that if you're at that point, 
way too late, way too late to turn back. So I would really recommend putting in uh, policies and systems in place beforehand so that you don't get to that point because you get to that point and believe me, you know, there are probably exceptions to every rule, but I have been down this road with dozens and dozens of employees. If you get to that point, it's really too late for the repair and they have to go ahead and take a step away. So as you mentioned, sometimes there are visible manifestations. There's yeah. conflict between staff members, there's eruptions, there's anger. Yeah. Um, what we do know is that a lot of nonprofit staff members, a lot of nonprofit leaders have become really good over the years at internalizing yes. some of that stress and some of that fatigue right. and burnout. Um, how can a leader be intentional about checking in on staff members and, yeah. and spotting those signs that may not be as visible as conflict? Right. Um, so that's a great question because I think one, as leader, you have to be accountable to yourself. So when I recognized in my own self, some signs of burnout that were pretty severe and maybe didn't even recognize the full extent of it, I knew it was time for me to step away as an organizational leader because I can't leave my staff if I'm in that spot. Um, and it wasn't as clear to me as you might think it would be for someone who worked in crisis field. It took me a while to even recognize it myself. Um, but I think that's it's incumbent on us as leaders to do that, right? Always checking in. Have I changed? How am I handling this? Am I reacting personally and emotionally to everything? Um, but also this culture that's been created where we celebrate exhaustion and we celebrate stress and I'm so busy and it's like a thing to brag about. And if you're not, you say, well, what do you mean Sally's not busy? Sally's not exhausted. I mean, we all are working so hard. We are. That is a no-brainer stop. I do not allow that talk among staff. I think that's unacceptable, that we should be celebrating our self-care, celebrating love for self, um, and really promoting that from within. Another good example is not to allow staff members to come to work sick. And, you know, before the pandemic, that was something that was almost lauded, right? Oh, right. Sally came to work ill. That made, she's, she's so committed. I used to tell my staff, you're being selfish if you walk through those doors and you're sick because you're going to get someone else sick and it's going to take down the whole group and then we can't serve our clients. So you need to take, stay home and take care of yourself. And that's a leader's perspective. Right? And the leader has to set that standard and say, absolutely. And no, no line or here is the line. Right. Um, and I think creating that healthy organizational culture that that makes sure your staff are taking care of themselves as a highest priority. And where does that start? The leader, like getting, go to the employee assistance program, getting the free mental health therapy, getting your, talking about it. Like I'm going to see this therapist. I'm getting help with um, my family members and the conflict that we're having in our home. Um, I'm going to yoga at lunch or I'm eat, I'm going for a walk in the afternoons. Anyone want to join me? Um, right. Really trying to say like walking by your employee's office at five o'clock and saying, let's wrap it up and get on out of here and let's go have grab a bite to eat or um, or recognizing that if they're not finished, helping them set priorities and restructuring their day so that they can finish their workload within a reasonable amount of time. 
maybe they're not busy enough, that can also be part of it. And so it's really evaluating, constantly being aware of where your staff members are, checking in with them, and creating this culture of um, honesty and frankness so that if they say, you know what, Greg, I am not enjoying this work anymore, they don't get punished for that they get an opportunity to celebrate that maybe this isn't the path for them anymore. And you as a leader are going to help lead them out and find something that's going to be more fitting. You know, I did this with employee after employee. What, what, what is, what do you love? Where are you happiest? If this isn't it, where are you happiest? Well, I want to do hair. Okay. Then let's go find you a program where you can learn how to do hair. And do you know that time and again, and I can actually think of several circumstances, time and again, those employees ended up coming back eventually. The greatest gift to an executive director, right, is the return of a happy, fulfilled employee who feels like my leader loved me enough to let me go and then to come back when I was ready. Um, I mean, that's the culture we want in our workplace, right? I I think we can all agree that the leader has a really important role to play in setting that culture and developing that culture. What I also hear you saying, though, is that healthy organizational cultures are ones in which staff members know that they can co-create that culture. And if we've gone off track, they're empowered to to bring it up to someone's attention and say, you know what, I don't know that this is the culture we want to create as a team. I'm I'm just as vital a team member as the executive director, as the CFO. um, And I feel empowered to say, you know what, it looks like we have gone off track here. This is not who we want to be. How can leaders and staff members promote that partnership with one another where they do feel comfortable and confident doing that? Well, I mean, I think the biggest one, Greg, is you can't punish employees for having um, those conversations out loud. They're courageous or, conversations. Yeah, they're they courageous. Really they're really very brave. Um, and if they're met with any sort of intimidation or angst about the, the comments that they've made, then they'll never do it again. That's undermining and it, and it, and it just bleeds that poison that kind of filters out into everywhere, into everywhere else. And so it has to be, um, a convert, it has to allow, you have to allow a space that, um, gives people an opportunity to voice even the negatives. Um, and maybe even, maybe that's even the most important is even the negatives, uh, so that you can grow from that. And I think something else I hear you saying is the, um, as a way to combat change fatigue, as a way to combat some of the burnout, is um, welcoming someone taking a step away when they need to. So, I mean, in, in academia, we see things like sabbaticals, mm-hmm. right? Someone takes a break. In athletics, there's an off season, right? Where we yes. step away from the work and recharge the batteries. I don't see that often in the nonprofit space, but what I hear you saying is that maybe that's a conversation we need to have. Maybe we need to be more flexible in our HR policies, uh, more flexible in our organizational planning to allow individuals to step away when they need to, either for their own health, for their own uh, mental health, um, and for the health of the organization itself. Yes, you're spot on. As a leader, I believe that their greatest gift they can bring to the to the staff is to help them grow personally. And that, 
you know, that can range from anything, but you should always be looking at what your ultimate goal for your staff member, what their ultimate goal is and helping them talk about it and put words to it and to dream. And Greg, this could be as easy as helping them move within your organization. It may be that they before were working with volunteers, but that's just not where they want to be anymore. And they want to move more into working with clients and, but they need some education. Then you can help guide them to that and you can help move them into that position. And it's really, um, giving them that space to say, it's okay, I don't want to be with volunteers anymore. And and then, yes, taking time away, being more flexible in your workspace so that, hey, here's a thought, executive directors can even take some time and maybe have some sabbatical time and bringing someone else in as an interim to help. But this, this has really got to be a conversation within nonprofits because burnout is such an issue in our in our world. And we're becoming more bureaucratic every day. We have so much responsibilities to our funders that we never had before. And the more that happens, the more ingrained this exhaustion culture becomes rather than the conversation about um, healthy self-care workplace. One of the reasons I, I love that is it, it encourages and invites us to take a much broader definition of what we mean by professional development. A lot of times when we think about professional development, we think about a conference or a seminar or a workshop, and there's certainly a role and a place for those as well. But if we're really invested in developing our staffs, if we're really invested as a board in developing our CEO and our executive director, we should take a much broader view of what we mean by professional development. And sometimes that means moving someone to a different part of the organization, as you said. Sometimes it might mean allowing someone to step away for a couple of months to recharge, renew, or go somewhere else to learn from another organization or learn how they do things in another industry. So I, I, I really am attracted to that because it broadens the leader's perspective on what we mean by taking care of ourselves and our staff members, what we mean by professional development. Yes, great. Well, and I'll tell you, when I see a job posting and it says we provide, uh, you know, professional development in, in the area of one conference a year, I just want to pull my hair out. because like, you have missed the boat. You're trying to fit this you know, square peg and a round hole, and it's just not going to work. Um, so yeah, I feel like if our, our people, if our executive directors could understand that possibly the most important job that they have is the development of their people. And at the end of the day, that's it. That's, that's the foundation of their organization. We can apply 1980s solutions yes. to 2020 challenges. Yeah. You know, the challenges that our leaders are facing right now are unique. There's no, there's no getting around that. And I think that our, our approaches and our responses to those challenges have to be just as unique and just as yes. flexible. Yeah. And I think, you know, just like you, I was an executive director during the last recession, Mm -hmm. 2008, um, everything hit financials, financials hit, and it was a crisis like nothing we had experienced before in the nonprofit sector. We weathered it the same way, though, that we will weather this one and we'll weather future ones. The fundamentals of how to um, care for your people, how to 
uh, reduce bureaucracy and create a self-care culture are all very much the same, whether it's a pandemic and recovering from what's going to come after the pandemic economically or 2008 or a fire in your building. It's all the same, right? It's all the very same, but it is going to require us to think um, how we can take those foundations and make them, uh, you know, more fitted to our world today. And I appreciate you sharing your personal experiences. Um, and, and it's it very much is learn from the experiences that that you and I have had. You know, I think it, you referenced 2008. 2008 is actually when I made the move to the nonprofit sector oh, as an executive director. Wow. I was a 29-year-old nonprofit executive director of a healthcare organization in 2008 mm-hmm. with no nonprofit experience. So if there is a mistake to be made, I am sure I made it <laughs> over those over those years. And so it's um there is no playbook. There is no manual for uh, for us to follow, which is why these conversations, I think, are so important uh, to, to stimulate different thinking and do and, and different approaches where we can learn from each other. Yeah, and I also think, Greg, it's you know, I hear this all the time about new executive directors going into a position. They're going into them right now as executive directors heading into this crisis of dramatic proportions. Um, you know, at the end of the day. What is it? It's the mission. If we don't do anything, if we just stay 110% mission focused and every question comes back to, is this for benefit of the mission? Does this benefit the work that the organization is doing to achieve the vision that we've set out? If you keep that in mind, it doesn't matter if you're an new executive director or an experienced executive director who's been around 30 years, you're going to get to the place where you want to get um, for your for your organization, for your board, your volunteers, all your stakeholders. Ginny, as we wrap up the conversation today, uh, as you mentioned, change fatigue is a real challenge for nonprofit organizations and leaders right now. Uh, I'll give you the last word here. If there are two or three takeaways that you want individuals to have from this conversation, what would they be? The, the biggest takeaways are don't live in crisis. Just because we are experiencing a crisis, just because change is so erratic and happening around us does not mean we have to live in it. That's the biggest. We can be observers of crisis and we can say we see it. We see the change coming, but we are prepared with our foundational bricks to be able to address whatever is thrown at us. Don't live in the crisis. Um to not allow your employees to lose or your staff to lose sight of what the real mission focus is and to check themselves, have an open, um, an open and honest community so that your staff feel like they can be um, open with you and open with each other about the, the healthiness of their, of the, in self-care of the culture. I, I believe those are the biggest. Make it, make it, have a yes community, have a, we, you know, open to everything. Yes. Community and create that culture for yourself. Jenny, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank if you for individuals, me, if folks listening to the podcast want to reach out to you, and I enjoy following your work, they I'm sure will also. How can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, so the easiest way is to um, check out my web my website. Um, it's called, it's capacitytodream.com because I'm building capacity to dream your organization vision into reality. So you can um, join me there and see my videos and other things. And of course, I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook and some other social media. But I'd love just 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 follow me. Jenny, I appreciate 
I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure. And for those of you listening to the podcast, again, this has been Nonprofit Vision. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me directly, you can find me um, on my website at nielsenconsults.com. That's N-I-E-L-S-E-N consults.com. Also encourage you to follow along and join the conversation. You can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and on Twitter. Um, encourage everybody, if you are enjoying the podcast, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. We always love reading that. And also love hearing any thoughts or ideas or suggestions you have for future guests and topics. Want all of our nonprofit leaders to have a happy, healthy New Year. Stay safe, stay well, and we look forward to talking to you soon.